Brother Bob here again. In this podcast, I'm going to explain how the sin cleansing process for a child of God works and why God's people need to be sin cleansed. Now, maybe a lot of you know this already, so um, but there's a lot that don't. I believe that a lot of born-again believers don't really know what the Bible teaches about how the sin cleansing process works for born-again believers and why believers need to be sin cleansed. Let me start by explaining how the sin cleansing process works when a person gets born again or gets saved. The very moment that a lost person gets born again or saved through faith in the gospel of Christ, all the sins that they have committed from birth up to the very moment that they get born again are permanently forgiven. So here's an important bit of info. It does not matter how wicked or vile or evil or or hideous those sins were that you committed before you were born again. The very moment that a person gets born again, each and every sin that a lost person committed before getting born again are freely and unconditionally forgiven by the Lord because the blood of God's only Son, Yeshua Christ, covers over, i.e. paid the debt for, those sins at Calvary. Now, it's probably obvious to you already, but it isn't just those big sins that are immediately forgiven when a lost person gets born again. It's also all those little, quote-unquote, little sins that the new born-again person committed before they were saved, like anger, lust, greed, envy, and lying, etc., 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 that are also unconditionally, i.e. freely, forgiven. In fact, there were probably sins that you committed as a lost person that you didn't even know were sins. Those sins are also freely forgiven when a person gets saved or born again. Now let me interject. Sins happen when people disobey God's laws or commandments. The Bible, which is God's instruction book for all humans, has a lengthy list written in it of God's do and do not commandments. When humans disobey those do or do not commandments, they are committing crimes against the Lord. Those crimes against the Lord is what we call sin. Another side note, the Lord has a lot of laws, i.e. commandments in the Bible. And being that God is God, he demands that us finite created human beings strive to obey each and every one of them that are applicable for today's society. Now, trying to obey God's commandments does not earn a lost person a place in heaven. God's commandments are simply those rules and regulations that he, God, has determined are what's best for any society that wants to exist in a moral and law-abiding world. So again, obeying God's commandments is always a good thing to do. However, obeying God's commandments does not remove sin. And by the way, no one except Christ himself can or did obey all of God's laws or commandments perfectly. The Bible teaches us that all humans come right out of our mother's womb as imperfect, i.e. sinful-leaning people who will sin against God over and over again throughout their lifetime, which means we're not always going to keep God's commandments perfectly. And this is where sin comes into play. The penalty for disobeying God's laws or not keeping all of God's laws or commandments perfectly is a crime. It's a sin against God. And the penalty for disobeying God's laws or commandments is being sent to hell. Now, I share all this infant about hell because I want God's people to understand that not only does the blood of Christ remove, i.e. cover over, i.e. pay for all those earthly sins that the newly born-again believer had committed before they got saved, a lost person's faith in the gospel of Christ also means that the hell debt, 
that all humans owe God because of their sinning against him, committing crimes against him, is 100% totally paid off by Christ when a person gets born again. So it's like Christ did our time. We should be in jail, which is hell forever and ever. We're guilty of crimes against God, but Christ, it's like almost like he literally came and knocked on the door of our cell. Boom, boom, boom. Brother Bob, I come to do your time for you, your jail time. If you believe that, you're free to go. So what Christ did is he paid off the hell debt of people who believe that. Now, what's kind of sad is that Christ also paid off, paid for the hell debt of every person on planet Earth. But only those people who believe what he's done for them are going to benefit from what Christ did. There's a lot of people who choose to reject the free gift of eternal life out of hell for whatever reason. Arrogance, pride, selfishness, blindness, there's a whole bunch of reasons. There's a lot of people who just say it can't be that easy. It's free, and they just walk away from that free gift of eternal life. God, God allows people to do that. So let me again just explain the term when I say hell debt. It's a rather simple to understand term. Every single person born outside of Christ is born with a sin nature. That means that they will, not might, but they will sin, i.e. commit crimes against God throughout their eternal life. So even though God is a loving God, he's also a holy and just God. By that I mean that when we humans knowingly or even unknowingly sin, i.e. commit a crime against him, he, God, sees that crime, the sin that we committed against him, and he realizes that we need to be punished for that crime. Now here's a side note. He would not be a very good God if he allowed crimes committed against him to go unpunished. Just as the Lord blesses those who do the right thing, he punishes those who do the wrong thing. And what punishment has the holy and just God of the scriptures come up with for those who commit crimes against him? It's a place we call hell. The good Lord has decided that the penalty for committing crimes, i.e. sinning against him, is being sent to a place we call hell where we pay for those crimes. Again, God is holy and just. We humans are not born holy and just. So the penalty for committing crimes against God, of which all humans except Christ are guilty of, is being sent to this place of torment and suffering, i.e. hell, when we die, where we'll spend our eternity paying for the crimes, sins, that we committed against the Lord. Listen, if you have an issue with God creating this place called hell, you just don't recognize how holy and just God is. That's a whole different podcast in itself, but the characteristics and the attributes of God are way beyond us. Now, I shared all this info about hell to make a very important point. When a lost person gets born again, they also get saved. Again, getting born again is simply a metaphor for going through a new birth, a new spiritual rebirth. However, this is a spiritual rebirth, again, and not a physical rebirth. Getting saved at our new spiritual rebirth means just like it sounds. Now, just in case you were not aware of it, the term saved is the popular generic term for a person getting or becoming a child of God. The word saved alludes to the fact that a new believer is saved by faith in the gospel from their sins. But the new believer is also saved from a place that we call hell. Now, if you're a Bible believer, hell is a real place. In fact, even in the in the realm of lost, unsaved people, most people have a belief. They believe there's some kind of hell. They just don't know exactly what it is. But I can guarantee you it's not going to be a place where you go to party with your friends. Hell is not some made-up imaginary place that doesn't really exist. 
Yeshua Christ himself quite often spoke of this place called hell. Now, hell is in the spiritual realm. Hell is where the souls and spirits of the unsaved people go to pay for their earthly crimes, i.e. sins against God, after their earthly bodies die. But make no mistake, hell is not a neutral place of nothingness where unsaved people go to pay the penalty for sinning against God while playing cards and drinking Jack Daniels. The Bible is crystal clear. Hell is a terrible, terrible place of eternal suffering and torment. And again, contrary to what big, tough, arrogant, macho men might think, once they get there, there'll be no partying with their friends. In fact, not only is hell a place of terrible, terrible suffering, it's also a place of eternal torment. And the reason why it's also called a place of eternal torment is because Satan and his demons get to spend their eternity tormenting you as they wish. So if a person truly gets born again, one of the benefits of trusting Christ as your Savior, is that the hell debt penalty, i.e. the sin consequence, that all humans owe God is paid for by faith in the gospel of Christ. A person who is born again need never ever fear going to hell. Praise God for the free gift of eternal life paid for by the precious sacrifice and blood of Yeshua Christ. Now, here's a little side note. I shared this on quite a few of my podcasts. I believe that the one exception for a person who truly got born again Ending up in hell in eternity would be if that once professing believer in the gospel of Christ openly and publicly renounces their faith in Christ. Now, ultimately, only the Lord knows for sure who truly is and truly who is not born again. However, even with that said, history is abundant with the names of people who professed at one time to be born again, who for many years were living as they were born again, and who shared the gospel as they were born again, only to later on in life, for whatever sinful reasons, choose to openly renounce their faith. Yes, God will allow his children to walk away from him. He's not pleased with it, he's not happy with it, but he's not going to stop you. Again, just do a little Google search. There's quite a few very prominent Christian evangelists, Christian pastors, who profess to be born again and who walked away from their faith. Now, I share all this about hell to bring you encouragement, to bring you believers encouragement, knowing that if you truly are born again and do not choose to renounce your faith, you need never, ever fear going to hell when you die. Now, walking in a carnal manner, walking disobedient to the Lord, you know, just having this flippant, worldly attitude about wanting to please God is not the same thing as openly renouncing your faith. If you're a born-again believer, the only way you're going to get sent to hell is if you renounce your faith. If you're, lo- if you're living a sloppy, lackadaisical, worldly, carnal life as a believer, you're going to pay for that judgment seat of Christ. But you don't have to worry about going to hell because that was paid for. That hell that was paid for the moment you got born again. I hope you understand that. You people, believers, you need to wrap your head around this stuff and, and understand this stuff. So again, I say praise God for God's free gift of salvation offered through the sacrifice of his son at Calvary. And not only praise God for that sacrifice, thank you, Lord, for freely, unconditionally offering eternal salvation through your son to all who would simply believe the gospel of Christ. Please listen to my podcast about the judgment seat of Christ and about a believer's kingdom rewards. It explains to God's people that there is much more to faithful Christianity or God-honoring Christianity than simply being born again. So let me reiterate so there's no confusion. If a person truly gets born again, all the literal sins that they committed up to that point in their life are freely and unconditionally forgiven. And the hell debt that all humans owe God is also forgiven. 
Now, I shared that the term saved is the popular generic term for a person getting born again. I also share that the word saved alludes to the fact that a new believer is saved by faith in the gospel from the penalty of those earthly sins they committed before they were born again. And I also share that a true born-again believer is eternally saved from ever having to go to hell. Now pay attention. There is one thing that a new born-again believer is not saved from the consequences of simply because they're born again. And that would be those sins they commit after they become a child of God. Now, again, those sins that a born-again believer commits after they're saved will not send them to hell, uh, but there might be earthly consequences, punishments. There's definitely going to be consequences at the judgment seat of Christ. So let me use the story of Ananias and Sapphira to explain what I mean by what I just I believe that Ananias and Sapphira were eternally saved from hell, blood-bought, born-again believers who at one point in the past had accepted Christ as their Savior. That means that every earthly sin that Ananias and Sapphira had committed before they got born again were 100% totally, completely, and freely forgiven the very moment they got born again. And being that Ananias and Sapphira were born again, that means that they were eternally saved from hell. And yet, Ananias and Sapphira were killed by the Lord for sinning after they were born again. How can that be? Good question. What happened to Ananias and Sapphira clearly shows that their Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, did not wash away, i.e. cover over, i.e. forgive, them of all their earthly sin consequences after they were born again. The Bible tells us that Ananias and Sapphira were killed by the Lord for simply lying. Now, I have to assume Ananias and Sapphira were born again because that's how Peter dealt with them. And since Ananias and Sapphira were born again, that means that they were eternally saved from hell when they died, which means that even though they were punished unto death by the Lord for lying, they did not go to hell. Now, if you read the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you will read that they were offered the opportunity by Peter to repent of their sin, but they chose not to, and they paid the price for it. I personally believe that the Lord chose to use Ananias and Sapphira as an object lesson for his church. The scriptures teach us that when the believers saw and heard of what had happened to their fellow brother and sister in the Lord, Ananias and Sapphira, a healthy fear of the Lord went throughout the whole church. My point for sharing this story about Ananias and Sapphira is that God's people have to stop assuming that their Heavenly Father overlooks or turns away or washes away or forgives those sins that His children commit after they're born again simply because they are born again. And I share this fact, and I'm going to share this a couple times in this podcast, because you're going to hear well-meaning believers tell you that the moment you get born again, all your sins, past, present, and future, are as far as the east is from the west, and they'll never, ever be brought up. You'll never be punished for them. That's just ridiculous. Just If you know your scriptures, you know that's ridiculous. That teaching's ridiculous. Now, they'll never be brought up again as far as hell debt's concerned, but they're definitely going to come up again if you're living your life as a carnal, unrepented child of God. Now, here are some very common Bible verses that clearly show that born-again believers need to have their sins that they commit after they're born again washed or forgiven by the blood of Christ. 1 John 1, 5-10. This is the message you heard from Yeshua and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. 
So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Now that verse says we are lying if we're if we're saying we're, we have spiritual fellowship with the Lord if we're practicing sin. It doesn't mean we're lost or we go to hell. It just means we're not really abiding with the Lord. If we're living in a life of unrepentant carnal sin, we're kidding ourselves to think that we're abiding with the Lord. Yeah, the scriptures are clear. Our Heavenly Father or Yeshua Christ would never abide or fellowship or be in a close relationship with any believer who's living a life of unrepentant sin. So let's go on in 1 John chapter 1. It says in verse 7, But if we are walking in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought we were already cleansed when we got born again. Well, only our hell debt was cleansed completely, not our walk with the Lord after we're born again. It's really clear in these verses, isn't it? Verse 8 says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Verse 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, that just means to acknowledge to him that we've crime, committed a crime against him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And that cleansing takes place with the blood of Christ. I'll, I'll expound on that later on. Again, the writer of John had to, had to say this again. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar, and it clearly reveals that his word has no place in our hearts. Now, you can study these verses on your own, but they clearly show that forgiveness of sins is a conditional thing. And the condition is that we need to be walking in the light. We need to be at least trying to be abiding with the Lord. Again, I can give you a, a quick example. You know, if I'm a born-again believer, if I'm a married man living in adultery with another woman, and I say, well, Lord, I, I really love this other woman I'm in adultery with, and I want to marry her someday, but I have to get rid of my my wife first. And so in the meantime, please forgive me for my sin of adultery because you know eventually I'm going to know God's going to say, shut up. I'm not listening to a fool. I'm not going to forgive you. You're living in sin. Part of our being cleansed is repentance. We have to make an about face and turn away from that sin. We just can't ask God to forgive us for a sin and just keep wallowing in it, expecting him to forgive us. It's kind of what the Catholic religion teaches. You can go, you can be uh, Saturday night, you can go be a left, Lou, left arm Louie, the mafia guy, and go shoot somebody. And then if you go to confession and on Sunday and confess your sin to the priest, uh, you're cleansed by the priest. Not really, I'm just being facetious. And then uh, you're forgiven, and then you can go back Monday living the way you were living before. And and so that doesn't. that's not how the Bible works. Genuine, genuine biblical cleansing of sin will not come without confession and repentance. Period. End of story. End of this. Now, can you find yourself coming to the throne room? Time after time after time with the same struggle, you get caught up in the same sin? Absolutely. God knows that. I'll touch on that more later on. But still the idea is that your heart's desire is to acknowledge to God that what you did was wrong. It was a crime, sin against him. And that your heart's desire is to turn away from that. And only that's that's only going to happen to a believer who's walking or trying to walk with the Lord. Okay, You're going to be sensitive to the things of the Lord if you're abiding with Christ. That's why this verse teaches that if we are walking with the Lord, then we can get cleansed. Otherwise, and don't bother talking to me is what Christ tells us. So again, I want you to understand that the, the Lord's sin cleansing process is conditional. And again, conditional means that there's a condition that must be met before we get what is promised. In this scenario of being 
sin cleansed, the condition is a believer must be at least trying to be walking or abiding with the Lord. But wait a minute, wait a minute, Brother Bob. I've always been taught that all my sins were removed when I got born again. Brother Bob, I was taught that my sins in God's eyes are as far as the east is from the west, to which I see you were either lied to or you were only told a half-truth. Now, before I explain what I just said, it should be quite obvious to any believer who has more biblical discernment than a third grader that that concept did not work for Ananias and Sapphira who were killed by God for lying. It also didn't work for the eternally saved, blood-bought, born-again, carnal Corinthian believers. The carnal sins of the Corinthian believers were not as far as the east is from the west when the Apostle Paul decided to teach these believers a lesson. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, When you Corinthian believers meet together, some of you, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you are in a hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. You're gluttons. As a result, some people go home hungry while others are getting drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I'm certainly not going to praise you for your behavior. So any believer who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. This is why all believers need to examine themselves before they partake in the Lord's Supper. For if you believers eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Now get ready. Here's the verse. That is why many of you Corinthian believers are weak and sick, and some of you are even dead. Wow, where's the love, Paul? I said that sarcastically. God was watching his carnal children in the Corinthian churches. God decided to punish these eternally saved, blood-bought, born-again Corinthian believers because they were wallowing in unrepented sin. Brethren, our Heavenly Father does not overlook or turn away a blind eye or forgive or forget the sins that His children commit after they're born again simply because they're His children and simply because they're eternally saved from hell. Now again, I promise you that these unrepentant carnal Corinthian believers who were sick and those who were even killed by the Lord did not go to hell when they died, even though they died in their sin. And that's because when a person gets born again, they are eternally saved from hell, regardless of how they live their earthly life. Now, it's obvious that the Lord was watching his children. And it's obvious that just because we are his children, he does not overlook our unrepentant sins. And it's obvious that the unrepentant sins of the Corinthian believers were not as far as the east is from the west. I hope you understand this. It should be obvious by what happened to Ananias and Sapphira and the Corinthian believers that our Heavenly Father did not remove or wash away all the unrepentant sins that his children committed after they get born again. Yeshua Christ told his followers, If you forgive others for their transgressions, then your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, this lack of God forgiving the sins of his unrepentant, unforgiving children does not mean that he sends them to hell. We need to understand that. But there will be judgment kingdom consequences for those believers who die with unforgiving spirits in the next life. You really have to get your heads wrapped around this concept, brethren. Now, I promise you that those carnal Corinthian believers who died because of unrepentant sin, as well as any other born-again believer who dies because of unrepentant sin, is not going to be seen as a pleasing child when they step into eternity and stand in the presence 
of their Heavenly Father. Again, is the free gift of eternal life free, or does a believer have to maintain their eternal salvation through godly, repentant living? Eternal salvation is as free as the air we breathe. To all who believe in the no-works gospel of Christ, they are guaranteed not to go to hell when they die. But that does not mean that there will not be consequences for how they live their earthly life as a born-again, blood-bought, eternally saved child of God. So I'm going to stop right here and get into like 25 minutes here. I'll do part two of this next. So please pay attention to this. Again, um, you're only going to know biblical truth from a biblical life. You know your scriptures, brethren. you got to really stay in the Word. you got to study it. Don't listen to your emotions. Don't listen to all the wacko false teachers and false prophets that are babbling a whole bunch of religious garbage out there. Know your scriptures so you can separate the truth from a lie. Your true friend in Christ, Brother Bob.